Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And I hope you'll take a look at the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Dot com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy. He is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about our economic liberties provided by the Constitution or in some ways subordinated uh, due to the recent Supreme Court ruling since the New Deal. <clears throat> we'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of several books. His latest is, uh, let's see, here it is, Cyber Warfare, Targeting America, Our Infrastructure, and Our Future. It's a great read. I've read it myself, and it's really very informative and, and scary as well. It is May the 27th, and on this day in 1943, a B-24 carrying U.S. Airmen and a former Olympic runner, Louis Zamperini, crashed into the Pacific Ocean. After surviving the crash, he floated on a raft in shark-infested waters for more than a month before being picked up by Japanese and spending the next two years in a series of brutal prison camps. His story, of course, of survival was featured in the 2010 best-selling book Unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand. And boy, was it a great read. I really enjoyed that book. What, a, what an amazing story it is. He was born in 1917 and two Italian immigrants. He grew up in Torrance, California, where he was frequently in trouble with the law. As a teen, he channeled his energy into athletics and became a champion distance runner. At age 19, he competed for the U.S. Uh, at the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin, Germany. He ran the 5,000-meter race and finished in eighth place. However, his fast, fast final lap caught the attention of Adolf Hitler, who later asked to shake uh, Sambrini's hand. After the Olympics, he was a record-setting standout at the University of Southern California's track team. In the fall of 1941, he enlisted in the U.S. Army Air Corps. It was eventually stationed in Hawaii. In May 1943, he was serving as the bombardier on the B-24 that was searching uh, for a missing plane when his own aircraft developed mechanical problems and went down in the Pacific. Of the 11 people on board, only the 26-year-old Zamperini along with the pilot and tail gunner survived the initial crash. The three men stayed alive in their small craft by drinking rainwater and eating the occasional seabirds and fish they were able to catch, all while face, facing strafing from the uh, Japanese bombers and the ever-present threat of shark attacks. After a month at sea, Francis McNamara, the tail gunner, perished. On the 47th day in the raft, he and uh, fellow survivor Russell Allen Phillips, having drifted some 2,000 miles since the crash, were picked up by the Japanese sailors. For more than two years, the two men were held in a series of prison camps where they were repeatedly beaten and, straved and starved. As an ex-Olympian, Zamperini was considered a propaganda tool for the Japanese and saved for execution. At the same time, however, he was singled out for particularly vicious forms of torture. The defiant American managed to survive and was released after the war ended in 1945. Back in home in California, he drank heavily and was haunted by his experiences in captivity. Then, after being inspired by evangelist Billy Graham to convert to Christianity in 1949, Zamperini went on to become an inspirational speaker, forgave his captors, and punished, uh, published his autobiography, Devil at My Heels, a wider audience learned about his life with the publication of the book and the movie that uh, came out. He died in July 2014 in Los Angeles. He was 97 years of age. Can you imagine surviving everything he did? Amazing story. Unbroken. I think. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. It's really a great read. Well, good news in the forward-looking financial markets. The Dow was up yesterday about 530, and the futures this morning were up around 300. Uh, fresh optimism about the development of potential vaccines for COVID-19 have also helped lift stocks. Investors are focused on the process of reopening the economy, which is likely to accelerate over the summer. American consumer confidence stabilized as well, having plummeted to its lowest level in about six years. At 85.7, it's up to 86.6 in May. 
The Commerce Department said sales of new U.S. homes inched up 0.6% last month, unbelievable, because the expectations would be down over 23%. It was a surprising gain that hints at a relative health of many consumers. Trump announced a plan to reduce the cost of insulin for seniors. That was announced yesterday. The agreement struck with insulin manufacturers and health care providers will reduce the co-pays for insulin to about $35 for Medicare beneficiaries, and that's a reduction of about 66% from the current cost, according to the White House. Well, that's great news, and President Trump applauded the economic gains Thursday, Tuesday, saying that the transition to greatness he's calling it has begun and is ahead of schedule. Transition to greatness. With most states fully engaged in restarting their stalled economies, Democrats are beginning to worry that a quick rebound could propel President Donald Trump into his second term. Jason Furman, a top economic advisor to former President Barack Obama, signaled as much in early April when he warned, we are about to see the best economic data we've seen in history in this country, he said. Furman believes that the recovery from a government-enforced economic standstill could give Trump the chance to take credit for playing fixer to a struggling economy, not just that he took out after office, uh, but again, after the coronavirus pandemic. Democrats are scared, they, and that's probably why they're extending the downturn and uh, the pandemic, the close down of their states. Today will be, by the way, the first human space flight in nearly a decade. Back in 2011, NASA ended its space shuttle program because of safety and cost concerns. It's since been paying Russia's space agency to hitch rides to the International Space Station via Kazakhstan. But in recent years, Elon Musk's SpaceX company has been working with NASA to launch from the United States again. If today goes as planned, two veteran astronauts will take off from Cape Canaveral, Florida at 4.33 p.m. SpaceX will be the first private company to send people into orbit. This is an amazing accomplishment if it works out. Unlike the switches and dials from old shuttles, this capsule is a 21st century modern uh, craft with touchscreen and automation technology. Matching that text are the astronauts' custom-made spacesuits. No wardrobe faux pas here. In the final flight uh, test, meaning the astronauts, it is the final flight test, I should say, meaning the astronauts will evaluate the spacecraft's performance and carry out research and other tasks once they reach uh, the destination. Or the goal is to fly, figure out if SpaceX can get the green light as the official space transportation system in the future after years of tests that have involved a lot of snafus. There's no official timeline on how long the mission will last, but the astronauts could be watching Earth from above for at least a month. Before heading to space, the astronauts, of course, were quarantined to get tested twice for COVID-19, and NASA implemented social distancing temperature checks at Mission Control. It's also urging everyone to watch on TV or stream online, not gather at the Space Center. But, of course, uh, no <laughs> folks will be gathering there anyhow. The big uh, issue is going to be whether the weather will hold up. And if it's successful, it could introduce a new era of space travel that potentially cheaper and expands access to more people. And with private companies taking on some of the reins, NASA would be the first able to focus on space explorations to the moon and Mars. Great to see that we're focusing on that aspect. Remember, President Barack Obama decided that he was going to change NASA's mission from uh, going to space into creating better relationships with Muslim countries, as I recall. Unbelievable. COVID-19 cases in Cali have increased to 1,305. 607 of them are Hispanic. Uh, 176 folks have been hospitalized, although many released, and 46 residents have now died from COVID-19 complications. 14,000 tests have been administered, with about 9.3% being positive. The percentage positive is going down, which is an indication perhaps the virus is expiring in the heat. We only hope so. Well, a COVID-19 vaccine developed by Oxford University has uh, generated a significant interest. Both the United States and the United Kingdom have ordered large numbers of doses in anticipation of successful human trials. The development cycle for this particular vaccine was shortened because it's already been tested in primates with great results. He, President Trump announced Operation Warp Speed, which is aimed at expediting the development and approval of the effective vaccine. This includes upending the traditional production of them. Top vaccine candidates will be manufactured in advance of demonstrating effectiveness so they'll be available more quickly. 
The problem here, of course, the uh, Oxford vaccine is one of three candidates, and AstraZeneca has uh, struck a deal to produce the vaccine in advance of the conclusion of the human trial. This effort has been backed by a $1 billion uh, contribution by U.S. taxpayers. The goal is to produce 300 million doses by November of 2020. However, and this is the irony, Oxford researchers are now warning of an obstacle in the trial process. As new cases of COVID-19 are declining, they worry that the data will not meet the hurdles to pr prove effectiveness. Now are now placing odds of successful trial at only 50%. And why? Because fewer and fewer people actually have COVID-19 because of the uh, shutdowns. The stakes couldn't be higher if proven effective. This uh, vaccine would pr allow people to leave their homes and go back to work and the shuttered global economy to rebuild. But Hill, director of the university's Jenner Institute, revealed that his team now faces a major problem, throwing the September deadline in doubt. If it's a, it's a race yet, but it's not a race against the other guys. It's a race against the virus disappearing against time. Now imagine if some states, or well, Los Angeles is not going to open until there's a vaccine, but there's not going to be a vaccine because there's no virus. <laughs> so the irony of all this is just unbelievable. Nevertheless, I hope they're successful in developing the vaccine, which, by the way, I don't think we'll take, but many people are looking for it so they can continue their lives. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles, the website is NaplesIllustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bob Levy, constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community, thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And tickets are on sale now for great productions starting in the fall. You can go to gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. Right now, we have with us another author, Bob Levy. He's written several books. He's also a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. www.catocato.org on the web. Thank you, Bob. So we've been talking about how the Supreme Court, at least raising the question, has the Supreme Court subverted the Constitution since uh, the New Deal, and uh, certainly we've presented a lot of evidence that we have. We're going to pick up the conversation about economic liberties. So uh, the Supreme Court seems willing to rein in the government regulations when it, uh, rights like free speech and religion are at stake, but other rights, such as property rights, as you've demonstrated in our previous discussions, are regulated without much objection from the courts. So how about another, there's an Institute for Justice case that we discussed. Uh, is there another case that has received a good deal of press coverage, the case about the Benedictine, this is a great, great story, Benedictine monks who wanted to sell caskets. Indeed, this is a case of the St. Joseph uh, Abbey, all about the casket cartel. Uh, the case arose when the brothers of St. Joseph Abbey, which is a century-old Benedictine monastery in Louisiana, uh, began to sell their handmade wooden caskets to uh, support their educational and health uh, care services. And the state board moved to shut down the monks' fledgling business before it sold even one casket, before, because it was a crime in Louisiana for anybody but a government-licensed funeral director to sell caskets uh, to the public. So the monks and the Institute for Justice, uh, represented by the Institute for Justice, brought suit in federal court on the ground that uh, this arbitrary restriction served no legitimate public purpose and existed only to funnel money to the funeral director cartel. And um, I.J. won that case in the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Fifth Circuit, and the uh, court said, and this is an interesting quote, uh, the great deference due to state economic regulation does not require courts to accept nonsensical explanations <clears throat> for regulation. Yeah. So that ruling is one of uh, you know only a handful of federal appellate decisions since the New Deal that protects economic liberty, that is the right to earn an honest living uh, without oppressive uh, government regulation. The Supreme Court rejected Louisiana's petition to review the case. So the appellate court holding is the final word and can be used to challenge other uh, licensing, uh, licensing schemes all across the country. Well, this is, that's just great news. And a little shout-out to the Institute for Justice. IJ.org is the website. I know you serve on the board, Bob, but how they're so special is because they, they actually litigate for the benefit. Of course, these monks don't have a lot of money to protect themselves in this case, so uh, they're volunteering the time of great attorneys to litigate cases to uh, protect our rights. Just a great organization. So what's the rationale for loosening occupational licensing restrictions? You know, if, it, if there's one principle that everybody ought to, Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, should agree on, is that competition is good. And government-supported monopoly is, is pretty reliably a bad thing. Right. And that, that principle is the driving force uh, behind this uh, overdue effort to free vocations, and there are about 20 of them in Florida, um, from needless uh, government regulation. Uh, to uh, Governor DeSantis's credit, he's moved pretty forcefully in the uh, direction of deregulation. So uh, among these vocations uh, that are regulated, uh, hair braiders, you know, ballroom dance studios, interior designers, and not surprisingly, some of the vocations, the existing practitioners, resist the uh, effort to deregulate because all too often the real function of this regulation is to protect members of the regulated industry uh, from competition by erecting a barrier to entry. So this is the pastime of some politicians uh, to uh, give out economic benefits to their uh, loyal supporters, but it really does impose 
a lot of costs on the on the rest of us by eliminating uh, these economic opportunities and driving up prices. Um, and when the special interests, you know, begin to uh, harvest favors from these compliant uh, politicians, there's always an asserted justification. Yeah. Um, the protectionist regulations sort of masquerade as standards of competence or anti-fraud or health and safety. And if that was truly necessary, I think even libertarians who generally oppose government intervention would support uh, restrictions that had that real purpose. But the libertarian position is straightforward. If the regulators can show that the unlicensed folks, when compared to the licensed folks, uh, they engage in deceptive practices or they violate health and safety rules, then government intervention may be justified. But in fact, uh, most of these claims are just pretext. Well, they certainly are. And, uh, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, Bob. So even yeah. if that's not the intent, <laughs> that's the result, is protecting these uh, uh, people who are already in the business from having competition. Uh, and I must say, too, a little shout-out to the president right now. He's trying to get rid of regulations, unnecessary regulations, not, a, not only during the pandemic, but eliminate them completely from the federal registers anyhow. Absolutely. So can, can you give us an example of unnecessary licensing in Florida? Well, we had a licensing scheme here for interior designers uh, and st until the state revised the regulations this year, mm -hmm. 2020. Uh, the state required interior designers to obtain a, a college degree from an accredited program and serve a two-year uh, apprenticeship and then pass a licensing exam. So this is, you know, billed as a safeguard against incompetence, but we're talking about what color pillow to put on your... <laughs> on your sofa. You know. <laughs> so I think this assertion is a, a bit disingenuous. And and 60% of Florida's some 2,600 interior designers were grandfathered in, yeah. you know, without demonstrating any uh, credentials. And uh, if this process really needed to be regulated, uh, you should tell that to 47 other states that don't have any licensing requirements uh, for interior uh, Design. So, you know, instead of focusing on better consumer service, these entrenched interests manipulate the law and they consort with members of the legislature and staffs and the best lobbying firms that money can buy. And special interest legislation ends up passing, uh, advancing the private interests of the folks with a little political clout. Right. And that's how monopoly power is really born. Yeah. And it's nurtured by the public, um, by the government. Yeah. The government really has no business enacting these kinds of arbitrary regulations that, just to protect the profits of a closed fraternity of uh, privileged companies, especially when the effect is higher prices and narrower choices for consumers and a lot fewer firms that can, t that can get started, fewer entrepreneurs that can take that first step up the economic ladder. Boy, so well said, Bob. And just was very grateful to Governor DeSantis for about the very first thing he did, aside from appointing two Supreme or three Supreme Court justices in the uh, Florida Supreme Court. Uh, he started this whole program to get rid of unnecessary regulation, or a regulathon, I think he called it. And uh, it's uh, he's, he's done a good job. But there's a long way to go, Bob. <laughs> yeah, but he has done a good job. I agree with you. So I understand that the Institute for Justice scored two major victories for economic liter uh, liberty, just a week ago, the cases? Yeah, Georgia and Pennsylvania state Supreme Courts. Uh, Georgia required two years of college and more than 300 hours of clinical work to be licensed as a breastfeeding advisor, so-called lactation consultant. So there are 46 other states that don't have any licensing requirements, uh, and they haven't had health and safety concerns. In Pennsylvania, they forced homeowners to become licensed realtors if they wanted to put a vacation home on Airbnb for a few weeks. So, you know, both rulings that I.J. got overturned terrible trial court decisions. But the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and the Georgia Supreme Court gutted uh, these protections uh, for entrenched uh, competitors. And now uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania residents uh, have the right to earn an honest living without going through these, uh, jumping these hurdles and going through these licensing uh, nightmares. Uh, these were unanimous decisions in Georgia, particularly uh, work in one's chosen profession. And in Pennsylvania, the court went even further, uh, concluding that the licensing laws 
have to bear a real and substantial relationship to a legitimate state purpose and can't be unreasonable or unduly oppressive. And that's a much tighter standard than economic regulations usually are subject to by state courts. Well, so just good news. Good news. And thank to thank you to Institute for Justice, IJ.org. And, of course, the Cato Institute, Bob Levy. Genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I'll just encourage our listeners to go to the website, Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Great being with you, Bob. Thank you, too. And, you know, uh, great to talk about commentary instead of politics all the time, isn't it? All right, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout-out to St. Matthew's House. I hope you'll visit their businesses, patronize their businesses, as well as make, make a contribution. These are hard times for people that are homeless and in need of food, and uh, we can all be helpful. Just a small contribution could be so helpful. I hope you go to stmatthewshouse.org, stmatthewshouse.org. Coming up, going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. Right now we have with us Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. You know, you wrote a piece about uh, about uh, the bravery of somebody that you know well, and uh, also about Memorial Day. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, I published that piece on Memorial Day, and I, I think we, we uh, certainly must honor our, our fallen soldiers and those that have uh, risked their lives for our freedom. And sometimes we, we don't understand the details of what we're actually honoring, and uh, in this case, I brought up the the circumstance of a friend of mine, uh, Louis Cherichigno, uh, Jerry Cherichigno, um, uh, Peruvian immigrant, became a citizen, uh, went to the University of Miami on a swimming scholarship, transferred to Alabama, started kicking field goals for Bear Bryant. I mean, so this is an interesting story. Right to that point, he goes into the army, becomes a uh, a captain in the in the army, uh, uh, controls the Cobra a Cobra unit. During one of their operations, uh, two of the planes, two of the helicopters, rather, are shot down. 
the, uh, the members of those crews are on the field of battle. They're exposed to a full battalion of North Vietnamese regulars. Jerry brings his Cobra gunship down to ground level, and he's within 50 feet of this entire battalion. They're firing uh, head-on into Jerry. He's opening up with the Cobra guns. Uh, then his, his ship gets disabled. He takes on uh, hand weapons and fights them until these men can escape from the field of battle and their safety. Uh, Jerry stays on. He gets captured by the NBA, put into a, uh, a tiger cage, a bamboo tiger cage, for eight months on his back, is force marched up to Hanoi, uh, is up there for three and a half years. Mm. Everyone thinks he's, he's dead. His wife uh, remarries during this time period. And, and finally, when he comes back to America, he's, you know, everyone in this, in this country who knew him thought he had, uh, he had passed. He was declared uh, a, a, a fatality of war. So you have this incredible man. And what I've been trying to do, Bob, is an extension of all this. And uh, I don't know how much success I might have is uh, this man is entitled to the, uh, to the Congressional Medal of Honor. He, he certainly received medals for, uh, for his actions. Uh, two of his commanding officers uh, in his line of command recommended the Medal of Honor, and uh, those higher up in the Pentagon, for some reason, turned it down. Hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to do what I can to see if this can be uh, reactivated and uh, get this man what he's due. Nobody's entitled to the Medal of Honor, certainly. But when someone has a story like Jerry Chervichigna, and by the way, I didn't mention, he was wounded three times in that operation, shot in both hands and in his leg, and, and continued the fight even with these, with these wounds. He stayed in a hospital for two years post being returned from the Hanoi Hilton, um, worked in the State Department internationally for 30 years after that. This is an extraordinary man, Bob. So when we're talking about warriors and courage and heroism, uh, Jerry Cherry Chigno typifies all of that as far as I'm concerned. And I, I think we have to understand exactly uh, what it is we're honoring when we honor when we honor our warriors. Yeah, I know. What a, what a terrific and inspiring story. Much like uh, Louis Zamperini we talked about earlier in the uh, story on Broken. But, Jerry, what, what a acts of bravery. And certainly uh, we should be so grateful for acts of courage and uh, well, making sacrifices like they had. Uh, he didn't die there, but uh, certainly he should be remembered uh, on Veterans Day as well as Memorial Day. Uh, amazing One story. One more thing. I'm sorry, Bob. You, you were going to say No, something. go ahead. Uh, Jerry, when he was up at the Hanoi Hilton, could have been released if he had been merely willing to sign a, a, a document against the war. That's all he had to do. But he refused to do that. He refused to, uh, to take the easy way out, and in so doing, was up there for three and a half years. And his wounds lingered so long that he still had to spend, as I said, two years in a, in a VA hospital to recover from those wounds uh, post being released. So uh, just extra extraordinary stories of what uh, of what these people have risked and given to uh, to America, I, I make a, a an extension. I uh, which is I, I hope we're willing, as willing to some degree, to fight for freedom uh, as much as these men have been willing to do it on the battlefields, Bob. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, are, so, are you writing letters? How are you? What are you doing in order to uh, advance uh, the opportunity for him to get them? There was a prior process uh, initiated by a person who does this kind of thing, and I won't give his name. I talked to him yesterday in Ohio. Uh, he has a complete file on a subsequent submission uh, for Jerry. Uh, the problem right now is is timing. The uh, you have to conclude this within five years in normal circumstances, but it can be uh, activated with a congressional recommendation, or in this case, I'm optimistic uh, through some contacts that I have that we can get a presidential recommendation. So um, I'm trying to do this. I'm putting together a uh, significant uh, statement in, in an organized manner that can be submitted to these people that I, uh, that I have contact with. And uh, I'm not optimistic necessarily, but I'm hopeful that this man will get what he's earned the right to, and that is the Congressional Medal of Honor, Bob. All right. Well, I have so much more I want to talk to you about. Can you stick around, Andy? I'll be here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And the website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. Right now, we continue our conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. As always, good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So you wrote another piece this week, so interesting, Responders for Freedom. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, I, the concept of first responders uh, has, has uh, been given honor, as, as it should, and I think we need another type of first responders, and those are the people that are willing to uh, not challenge in a, uh, in a uh, hyperbolic way, but to uh, insert themselves into the conversations about COVID-19 and the testing process so we can reach a more appropriate balance. I, I would compare what I'm saying to the, uh, the issue of uh, global warming, which became climate change uh, and the politicization of that. And, and the thing that's kept that somewhat at bay from intruding on our society and uh, limiting the use of carbon-based fuels and so forth, uh, has been that there's other information that people have been willing to introduce. Uh, they've been attacked and rejected and, uh, uh, and declared to be uh, uh, dangerous people. On the other hand, it was those voices, it has been those voices in my estimation, uh, that have made the conversation on global warming and climate change more reasonable and more restricted in its implication. Right, right now, with, with COVID-19, I think we can see uh, a politicization of this, uh, in my estimation, uh, obviously, the, there is a real issue. Uh, one of the comments about totalitarianism, Bob, is that uh, the most virulent form of totalitarianism is when uh, good people pursue causes in the pursuit of a real problem, but do so in a manner that is totalitarian. And I think, to a large extent, that's what we're seeing right now, a, yeah. uh, an overreaction to a problem that has been dramatically politicized, uh, certainly by the progressive left and supported by the media. Uh, if we look at the science surrounding uh, this issue, uh, just the other day they uh, they indicated from the CDC that their the surface uh, contact implication of COVID-19 is extremely limited. Right. Uh, following that, I read uh, just a few days ago that uh, it is only surface contact that that has any significance. As a matter of fact, Bob, in that same conversation. Uh, that and by the way, let me indicate I am not a doctor, so right. no one in your audience should be uh, giving my my words any more weight than than I'm entitled to. Uh, but the, many people are saying that the masks are dangerous. Right. They suppress the amount of oxygen uh, going into the body. They uh, compromise, uh, therefore, the immune system. And if this is not air transmitted by particle transmission, 
uh, then effectively we're looking at something that is doing far more, uh, far more uh, damage uh, than good. Uh, so my, my basic point with the, uh, the first responders for freedom in the case of COVID-19 is to allow into the debate uh, other voices that, uh, that are being suppressed, and I think politically suppressed. Uh, I think we've seen a progression from uh, eliminating the peak to eliminating the disease uh, to waiting for full testing uh, to uh, getting the vaccine. I think all of these are, are delaying tactics to try to keep this uh, COVID-19 actively as part of our political discussion uh, up until uh, November of 2020. As I say that, Bob, I certainly don't mean to indicate that it, it isn't a problem, perhaps even a serious problem. Yeah. But what I am suggesting is that the restriction on meaningful debate coming from uh, valid areas of science is, to me, an indication that this is being politicized. Uh, and I think we have to be very careful as to how we, uh, we move into the future. We all know that the economy is being seriously damaged. It is an open-ended question, Bob, as to whether that damage is reparable or whether it will be a permanent part of, of the American fixture. Uh, another part of the, the permanence is the, ex, the hyperextension of government powers. You know, we've all seen government overreach, which has been dramatic. Uh, will, we, uh, will the government abandon those powers? Yeah. The history of government says they will not. So getting back to the first comment, the first responders for freedom, I think conversations like the one we're having right now, and I'm not saying what I'm saying is, is gospel and should be followed in that regard. I am saying that there's a conversation that doesn't, isn't happening and should happen, as it should have happened with global warming and climate change. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, of course, uh, calling global warming uh, people who disagree are science deniers uh, or climate deniers and so forth. I mean, and, of course, the science is, is false. They've conflated the whole notion of carbon dioxide. Nobody wants dirty water or dirty air. We all want clean water and clean air. But uh, conflating carbon dioxide with uh, contaminants is crazy because carbon dioxide creates uh, photosynthesis. Uh, you know, oxygen, uh, carbon dioxide is taken in by plants to breathe out oxygen. It makes the world go round for crying out loud. So it's uh, just I, complete nonsense. I, I would suggest most of the people who are actively um, um, enthusiastically supporting the concept of, 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 of climate change really have no idea what they're talking about. And I hate to make general statements like that, but I, I would suggest that most of them think that carbon dioxide is a pollutant yeah. uh, as compared to, as you're describing it, a, the vital, the vital uh, yeah. gas in the, uh, in the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, and so I think they know very little about the, the reality of this circumstance. They know very little about the origin of the global warming concept. Going back to the late 80s, it was driven entirely by environmental radicals who describes humanity as a virus that should have been and should be wiped out from the planet. Yeah. So that was the origin of this, this whole thing. <laughs> I watched it develop over the last 30 years into this, uh, what they call science. This isn't science we're dealing with. This is scientists. And I think we have to differentiate between the, the concept of science and the words and actions and input of scientists who are, in this case, extremely politicized. Right. Very few... Uh, scientists can survive in the American uh, uh, governmental ranks uh, unless they actively support the concept of of climate change and global warming. Well, I would uh, submit that all science agencies have to add, where is it? follow the money. <laughs> Who's paying for it? And that pretty much determines the... Uh, the, the, uh, the strange thing about that point you're making, Bob, is that the people who are supportive of the concept suggest that it's those that resist the concept who are getting the money from the big oil companies and so forth. We can document absolutely that the vast majority of monies that are available in this particular topic area Go to the scientists who are actively supporting the concept of climate change and global warming. Absolutely. Hey, when you bring up the whole topic about first responders for freedom, I've got to do a little shout-out to the 77-year-old barber uh, who uh, stood up to Gretchen Whitmer. He continued to cut hair. Well, guess what? A Judge Matthew Stewart ruled that Carl Mankey is his name, will not, will not have to close his shop after the state again failed to prove that he was an imminent danger to the public. So here's a guy. Now, that's, a, that's a, uh, in my opinion, a first responder for freedom, standing up to power and uh, speaking out against power, as he did against Gretchen. She deserved to lose in that case, and, of course, her husband... <laughs> 
was just, just, uh, these stories seem so isolated, yet they're so critical, Bob. It is, it is these stars as they become more common and more, uh, more known that I think uh, will perhaps uh, give those who are not showing courage uh, to really uh, act uh, for the sake not not of the American economy. We use the word economy to designate some sort of a monetary process. It is the basic process by which a society satisfies the needs of its citizens. Of course. So, uh, economy is, is the critical component of who we are. It isn't some, some part of it. It is the... the, the the necessary ingredient in a quality society. Bob. No question. And of course, one of the principles, the economic principles, is that pricing is determined by everybody participating in the economy, and the intelligence of the economy itself outweighs and is uh, much more uh, quick to draw conclusions than any kind of central planner like Gretchen Whitmer. We need these people to st- do their jobs and stay away from uh, economic activity, allow the free markets to determine the direction of how we should behave and how, which way we should go. Uh, and, Andy, the co- the points that you're making are so critical. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. If I have time, just for one more quick one. Of course. Von Mises from the Austrian School of Economics uh, wrote a major tome on the entire area of pricing uh, in which he spent a 1,000 pages indicating that there's nothing more important uh, in an economic system, then how prices are determined, and they must be determined by the millions and even billions of transactions in the marketplace. Right. They can never be determined in the central planning process. If so, it totally skews and unbalances uh, the entire nature of the production process and eventually uh, how the needs of a citizenry are satisfied. By. And that's so important. Now, just to point out, you know, you can buy seeds, you can't go sailing, you can't go you play doubles in tennis. Some of these things. Things are so absurd, and they're coming from uh, it's uh, the the whole uh, process here is elected officials somehow thinking that they've got the wisdom to make these decisions. We should be making our own decisions personally. We should have guidance from uh, from our uh, the people who govern us, but certainly we should be making our own decisions. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Remember, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty, Bob. Absolutely. So with, that in, with that in mind, uh, we'll talk next week. Look forward to it, Andy. Thank you. Always appreciate his commentary. It makes me smile. I like it. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. And I just want to do a little shout-out to our advertisers here on the show. We couldn't really be doing the show without uh, the support of the advertisers. There's costs involved in this, so uh, we appreciate uh, advertisers' support and uh, also appreciate you. I've gotten a lot of notes from people saying they've uh, enjoyed the show, um, some comments about wanting to receive the newsletter. Send me an email at bobharden.com, uh, bobharden at hotmail.com. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University University of Houston Space Architecture. He's also the author of seven books. His latest, Cyber Warfare, Targeting America, Our Infrastructure, and Our Future. A terrific, scary read, actually. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me on, and I'm enjoying your newsletter, too. <laughs> thank you, Professor. So, uh, you know, you've written a couple of pieces this week. Uh, let's hope that uh, this pandemic is not the new abnormal some really great points in the in the piece. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, you know this this whole thing with you know what is influenza, what is uh, this virus, what is uh, um, I think of bacteriological diseases and so on. I mean, we hear these things, and it's and I thought, well, golly, what, how does this, all this work? And uh, so I sat down. I'm doing a lot of a lot of reading, I guess, in my quiet times these days, and. And uh, looked at how how uh, coronaviruses work and how viruses work in general, and, and it led me to uh, an amazing appreciation of how our body defends itself. Mm-hmm. And it's is uh, you know I write about it in this in this article. I kind of give a literally a blow by blow on what happens when what viruses are and how how they. Ad- attack cells and how they replicate and and so on and that and I find that at that little micro scale so many incredible things happen excuse me a little little foggy this morning and how absolutely amazing our bodies are in terms of not only fighting viruses but detecting them you know finding out what's what belongs in your body what doesn't and how do you signal the you know the the troops to come in and the? I thought white cells were just all one kind of cell. No, they're all kinds of different cells, and you have killer cells, and you have all these different things. We have a these battalions of of, of systems that are going on, and and they're amazing. And for the body, it's it's routine because because our bodies are doing this all the time. Yeah, and, and it's just absolutely remarkable. Um, and then you understand how, by you know, by extension, how complicated it is to develop a vaccine that the body will accept and doesn't trigger you know reactions that you don't want. But that was one of the articles I wrote this week. Was- I learned a lot from it, and hope others did. Well, I, I, I certainly did, and it gave me a real appreciation. I've never seen anything like it because it gave me a real appreciation, first of all, for uh, your great scientific method and how you go about learning. It was just you shared that with us, and it's so fascinating what you uncovered. So uh, the amazing, well, the, the miracle of the human body, and I just encourage you to go to Newsmax.com and just out, check out Larry's column, On Point is the name of the column, and it's, of course, it's uh, Let's Hope This Pandemic Is Not the New abnormal. Uh, Professor, I'd like to change the topic slightly because today SpaceX is launching uh, a a spacecraft. It could be uh, up in the, I guess, uh, in the atmosphere for, uh, out of the atmosphere for about a month. Uh, This is a private venture. This is not NASA's invention. Uh, This is a, but I just wanted to see, get your thoughts and and comments about that. Yeah. Um, You know, I do space stuff for a living and planning lunar bases and Mars missions and all that kind of stuff. I've been doing this for a very long time. <clears throat> so I'm, it's a subject that I'm, it's, that's my day job, and, and uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating, pretty, you know, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. I've also started an aerospace company, a private company that, private through mergers and acquisitions, grew to over 8,000 people and when the New York Stock Exchange and so on. So I've been, <clears throat> so I've been really, even though I've been involved with the NASA stuff for years, and you know, I know most of the Apollo guys and Gemini guys and so on. My heart's really in the commercial side. I, 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 and that 
goes with, I think, believing that, you know, government doesn't have to compete. It has, you know, it has civil servants. It, it can draw on taxpayers. And there's no, there's no, uh, I think it was different during the, during the Apollo program, particularly where we had a national mission where it was really largely a, a race with Russia after Sputnik and Gagarin and so on. But I think I'd perilous perilous now to look at the look at the race for a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And look, you know, and I mentioned this in my my most recent co- uh, uh, column is that if we look at how how all the different manufacturers that a lot of them are competing with previously competing with each other for high dollar markets got into this thing because there's there's a national you know. M- priority to, to to solve this thing and we in the mobilization of the private sector the commercial sector is just such a powerful powerful thing and we we also saw it with you know ford and gm producing ventilators and 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 all of these things and i think the parallel i would draw here is that i think when 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 something is done by government and i and i confess here i'm talking nasa yeah it's it's so different. The culture is so different. The expectations are so different. You work a different way. It's it's practical. If you either win or you lose, uh, government never loses because it has no natural predator. Right. And so I think we're seeing this. I think that the SpaceX launch today. I think Musk has has accomplished a great deal. He's got highly highly motivated people with him. That really have the you know have the you know the the passion to to really want to succeed, and and I think it's emblematic of this country. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, I think it's very inspiring, both from the standpoint of space, but I think it's inspiring and and reinforcing in terms of the power of our private sector. Right. I'm so happy you made those comments. In fact, the kind of light bulb went on for me as we have as you were ma- uh, making these points that uh, the president of the United States right now, instead of coming up with cup, uh, policy uh, for, for example, the vaccine or whatever it might be, he assembles the best minds in the private sector that he can pull together, for whether it's uh, uh, whether it's mass or. Uh, whatever it might be, uh, he's just done a great job of instead of making decisions and, and making government policy of helping the private sector to solve the problems of the United States. I think it matters a lot what the background, um, you know, life of leaders are, and I, I think it's not trivial that Trump came out of the development business, yeah, where you actually build things and create things, and you know. I was, Sort of mentioned as an aside here, he wasn't. He didn't come. He wasn't a community organizer. Yeah, trying trying to you know parasite off of, of companies and and Robby, you know companies and use union power to. There was no in that case. There was nothing built, nothing created. Like as he so famously said, "You didn't build that." Well, of course they did. Of course, of course we did. We being the American public and we being the, the free enterprise system. Yeah. And and I think so much of that in in our lives and our personal lives, we're so influenced by our own experience and our own challenges and our own survival that we bring that to everything we do. And I think Trump has brought that to the presidency, and it's it's a very welcome contrast to the past. It certainly is. I just really appreciate the point that points that you're making. This kind of a spontaneous uh, conversation away from the columns that you wrote, but nevertheless, I think extremely important. Again, uh, Professor Larry Bell, uh, his book is again cyber warfare targeting America, our infrastructure, and our future. His column at Newsmax.com on point. I hope you'll check it out, Professor. Always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. Uh, What a brilliant man. Uh, Just unbelievable. I just appreciate him so much taking time on the show. And I appreciate you, by the way, for listening to the show. I hope you find it entertaining. I hope you find it informative. Uh, Whether you agree or disagree with the points that we're making here on the show, of course, I try to work from facts, but I also uh, share, have commentary, and that's the purpose is to 
perhaps stimulate some thoughts uh, that could lead us to be better citizens. Uh, that's really what I'm working to accomplish here. Love to hear from you. If you'd like to receive the newsletter, Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. You can also uh, send me a, a, a text through uh, my website, BobHarden.com. Uh, share. And by the way, if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and let them know as well. I We have great guests lined up for tomorrow's show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.